Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. Welcome back. It's with great joy that we receive you. Thank you for tuning in. It is with Jesus' joy, not any kind of joy, with Jesus' love and joy that we receive you today. Welcome back. Come as you are. This is, this is one of the best days of the week. I get to just really hang out for a few minutes. Um, as we have been receiving from the worship team, as we have been receiving from testimonies, it is a great thing that we're able to hang out, to be able to spend some time together together in the distance, but together in the presence of God through these platforms, through these, this opportunity that we have with technology. It is great. Today we're starting a new series, but before we go into that, let's just pray. Spirit of the living God, Father, Father, fall fresh among us, Lord. Father, we need your word. Father, we need not only inspiration and motivation, we need transformation, Lord. We will be inspired and motivated, Lord, but if you transform us, Lord, everything will change. Father, have your way in this season, in this moment, in this word, in this little time that we're together, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, we surrender everything. Amen, amen, amen. You can relax. And today we start a series of four Sundays that is called Pushed and Pulled. And we're going to go through the life of many, many men of the Bible. So some, some of them you know, some of them you might not know, but you might know a little bit more at the end of this. But the important thing is that we feel sometimes pushed and pulled. And we have examples, we have models in the Bible that actually teach us how to react in those moments, in moments like we're living, like we're living right now. I was meditating during the week and um, I was asking God, do we, have, do we have what it takes? What makes us capable in the season that we're living? Why you chose us? Because we know that you're in control, Lord. Are we the people for the job? Are we the people for the season that we are living? It's not that I was having any remorse. It's not that I, I didn't have faith. But every now and then, I, I want to ask God what He is seeing that sometimes I don't see. I know that He knows. I know that He knows of you as well, that we will continue forward. We're not people that back out of anything that He puts us in. But what is it? What is it that makes us capable? Is it our brokenness? Is it our stamina? Is it our stubbornness? Is it? What is it? What is it that makes us the people for the job? We are the people for the job. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can do the same. We can be pushed and we can be pulled as we're going to be discovering these coming weeks. But what makes us the people for the job? What makes us the person for the job? This week, I also came across a very interesting um, document. I was, I was reading around an article in a magazine and it was, and it was for me, it was, very, it was very interesting because he was discussing the levels of success. And he was actually discussing on the light of age, right? And uh, he was discussing it in the, in the light of seasons of life and the things that happen in different stages of our life and how we react to it. And um, I, I saw that in the, in the article, it was, it was talking about um, just success being fueled by things. One of the things that will fuel success, it was grit. And grit by the dictionary actually means the courage and the resolve, the strength, the perseverance, the determination, the strength of character, right? And he was talking about how that hits us in a certain specific moment in our life. He was also talking about passion. And passion is like the thing. 
most, most psychologists actually would say that passion is the most important feeling, the most important fuel for success in life. We have been told, we have been sold that we have to be passionate. And God, of course, has put passion on us. The gospel, it was about the passion of God for each one of us. And that led him to give his life. Of course, passion is important. It's the ability to suffer, says the dictionary. It also says that passion is the barely controllable emotion that we hold. So imagine, this is one of the things that would supposedly be those things that psychologists study as the second fuel, the second thing that really fuels our life and our success in life as well. And the third thing, they said, it was a deep and stable conviction. The people, they observed that people that had success in life, like you, like me, you might not consider you're successful, but God brought you to here. And you could, and you could have lost your life. You could have listened to those voices that said you were not worth it. You could have listened to those friends that said you cannot make it, but you did it. You're here. You could have listened to those family members that said that is not true. Why are you looking at in religion? Let's be logical. But God chose you to be a trendsetter, someone that will go against the virtues of life, against the flow that the world provides. You are a success. God invites you today, even in between the push and the pull, to understand yourself as a successful person. You got the grit, you got the passion, and you have a deep and stable conviction. And God is growing us in each one of those as those grow in life naturally. Psychologists have observed them. They have served more passion in the early stages. And they will describe it as passion and obsession. The obsession of God was your heart, was your mind, was your well-being, was your growth, was for you to attend and to grab everything He designed for you and for me. That's the passion, the obsession of God over our lives, that we will live fulfilled lives. It doesn't matter if fulfillment today means suffering, passion, the ability to suffer and to go through because there's a reason that we cannot control emotionally in us. We can go through it. God has designed us to be passionate. And he, in that passion, He reveals His heart into each one of us. That's our faith. That's our vocation. That's our mandate. We're people of passion. And that doesn't die when we're young. Psychologists would say that that dies further on in life. And you go into a... a, a uh, an era, a moment, a season in your life that you start thinking, I can build a company from obsessions with dinosaurs or being a, an astronaut or, or being a veterinarian or being a policeman. You go from there, from those little passions and obsessions, immature, incomplete, that start hinting you, what are your gifts? What are the things that God has put into you? Like in the way that society explains them, of course, you will go and transition towards, I can build a company kind of mentality, they say. I can build something from my life. In my life, I want to live my mark. And those are very famous statements. And we have come in and out of those during the years. And I know you have heard them. You're not stranger to this because they're around the world. It doesn't matter what culture, what climate. It doesn't matter what generation you are. They told you, they told me, we have been told. We are here to leave a mark. What is your mark? And in the, in the theme of success is a very important thing. Do we have what it takes for the job? Are we the people for the job? As I was meditating this week, as I was asking God, God, are we the people for the job? What do we have? What do you have? Have you asked that question this week? Through the seasons, we come and go. 
we go through the motions, we actually go through them and maybe we never stop and ask God, what do I have that you consider me apt for this season? I want to have great, I want to have a passion, but I also want to have a stable conviction. These psychologists, I mean, they were not Christian, but I, I, I found it very interesting how they were trying to depict how, how convictions go throughout all of them. My conviction since I was small, your conviction since you were young, have gone with you. I don't know in what age you are, what age bracket you consider yourself to be. You know, they say the new 30s are the new 20s and the new 40s are the new 50s. And, and I don't know what people say, but I will tell you the truth. I'm starting to feel in my body, there's some areas that tell me my age exactly what it is. I'm not talking about if they are the new thing or if they're the trend or if the zero in the front or in the back is something I should be looking at. But I'll tell you, I'm feeling, I'm feeling age. But at the same time, I'm feeling the comfort of knowing that God, God is there and He's for me and that His kingdom cannot be shaken. That what He is about is about me and me understanding who He is. And if He's about that, I can relax and let go of any area that doesn't get me closer to Him. That doesn't allow me to grow closer to Him so I can praise Him how He deserves. That's the gospel. Seasons come and go. Success might be observed in different ways. But we have been created to just be passionate people of grit, people of deep, stable convictions. Some people, actually, in this, in this article, they were talking about how McDonald's, McDonald's that we know is an international thing. It's an international movement of fast food, I would say. It's like the lead of fast foods around the world, I would say, has reached places that no one reaches, really. McDonald's is there. Some countries you will go, they don't have anything else from the world outside but a McDonald's. McDonald's has been really good on preaching their culture, their, their commitment to provide the culture of the Big Mac, the Big Mac. And it wasn't actually in his 52 years that Mr. Mr. Ray Kroc actually started franchising, franchising McDonald's. He was in his 50s. He should have not been passionate enough anymore. He should have been over that I can build my company mentality because that's for young people. But there was something in Mr. Ray that actually kept him, got him still on the run. He was on the rail, he was on the run, he was actually going for something. He had a vocation. He started franchising when he was 52 and McDonald's became what we know is nowadays. That's one example. We can see that very big, prominent figures of society and entertainment and had their best hits, their best um, seasons, if you say in their training and genre of society after their 50s or their 70s. This study was saying that after we are 70, we're actually prone to be in the best shape to do what we were born to do because we have the experience. Your memory, your short-time memory starts waning down when you're 35. But your experience, your, your emotional capital, your stamina has been built through situations. And there, if you have lived next to God, I would say, I will add to this. If you have lived with God in your 70s, in your 50s, you are able to show so much more of the beauty of the gospel that this is not to take down anyone that is young. The story of today finds us there. But before we go into the story of today, are we? Are we the people for the job? It is healthy for us to ask ourselves. Maybe we're not talking about 
physical age, chronological age, maybe we're talking about spiritual age. Are we the people for the job? Are we capable for what we are in? What do we have? What the God that we serve sees in us that says, you're the one that I wanted for such a time as this. If we go to 2 Kings 13, we'll find our text of today. And uh, this is a very beautiful text. It has ministered to my life in many, many levels. And it keeps on doing. When God brought me here, I was so glad. I was so glad we could discuss it for a little time together. 2 Kings 13, 14 to 19 and the NIV version, New International Version. And it reads like this. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Joash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. This was just before he died. And he said to him, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, the power, the strength, and the tenacity, the skills of Israel, basically. You are the age, the seasoned elder of Israel. Elijah said, get a bow. <laughs> he was old. He was about to die. And then this king came to see him. And he said to the king, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Verse 16 reads, take the bow in your hands. He started giving direction. He said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. So powerful. Open the his window. He actually ordered. He said, and he opened it. And he said, shoot, Elijah said. Shoot the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. Elijah declared, and you will completely destroy the Arameans at Ipak. Verse 18 says, then he said, take the arrows and the kid took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. Verse 19 reads, and with this one we finish. The man of God was angry. He was about to die. He was probably giving the last instructions to the, the king on shift while he was there serving the Lord, serving his, serving his people. And he said, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now, but now, you will defeat it only three times. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, lead us, open our hearts, reveal to our hearts what human words can't. You can, Lord. And light us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we continue, we have the story of a new king. He had just inherited the kingdom after the king before him had died. And here we had an old prophet that was dying. He had lived many, many things. He was already sick of what he was going to die later on off. He was old and he was in his last days. He was old and he didn't have anything else to lose because he had given it all and he was sick and he was about to meet with God and he knew it. He was certain. So he had nothing to lose. There's nothing like someone asking for forgiveness or confessing something in a bed of a, of a hospital because you know they have nothing to lose. They're going to say it as it is. And this prophet was there with all the impetus, the tenacity of his age, his service, and his acknowledgement that time was ticking off on him. 
and he was there. He was still committed. He was able to receive the new king that needed direction, that needed instruction, and he was able to multiply through him the principles and values. It's, it sounded like a smack. It sounded like a being told off kind of moment from the prophet towards the king. But this is so deep. Let's just go. Let's go deeper. The context of this was war. They were at war. The prophet was sick. They needed direction as the people of God, the Israelites. And they were against a confederation of cities. There was a group of cities that actually were conforming the territory, the region of Aram. Aaron, we're going to go later on into what it means and where he comes from. But it was, it was actually the enemies of the people of Israel. In that moment, these cities were enemies to the Israelites, to the Jewish, and specifically to the tribe of Judah. They were actually going against them. What is coming against us in this season? They had surrounded the Israelites, the people of Judah. That specific region had come against them. What was that was oppressing them? What is the meaning? The capital city of that region was Damascus. And we, we're going to go into that next week, very likely. But in this point, I feel the Holy Spirit wanting us to stop. Like these cities, like this region, like this confederation of cities, like this group that has come against the Israelites, the people of God. What is oppressing us? What has come against us in this season? Maybe the lack of hope. Maybe the lack of understanding. Maybe you're, you're diving into a faith that you probably don't understand completely, but there's a longing inside of your heart and you have felt incapable to really go deeper. And you really are looking at others that look that thriving and you want to have what they have. Those are good things to aspire. But what is oppressing you about that? Maybe you're getting oppressed by the promotion that you lost. You thought you were in line to get a promotion. But then everything just, just went everywhere and you lost the opportunity. Now the whole structure of your job has changed and, and you're not due to a promotion anymore. And you gave life, you gave sweat and tears to a job. You were efficient, you were responsible. Maybe you don't have any intelligence on what you have to be doing now. Maybe you're like this king that you're looking for direction. What is it that is oppressing you? What is it that is oppressing us? What has come against us? What has come together against us? In this season, maybe it's finances, it's security, it's broken relationships. Maybe you're doing exactly what your father did to your mom, to your wife. Maybe you're doing exactly what you saw your brother, your sister do at that early stage because you're a young brother or sister. Maybe you're seeing, you're repeating patterns that you've seen in your grandparents. Maybe you're, you're having a kind of mentality that you learn from friends or relatives that were near to you before this season and you didn't like it before and you have found yourself you have found yourself doing things being oppressed by thoughts by by in, small understandings by incomplete understandings in this season you have found yourself oppressed by the thoughts of generations you have found yourself oppressed by the lack of understanding of what you should be doing even for God Maybe you have found yourself oppressed. What is it that is coming against us in this season? What is trying to oppress us? Because that was the position of the king when he came to see the prophet. We're talking about a new king and a prophet that is dying, that is old. This is our context. A context of war and sickness, of need of direction, and something that is coming to oppress us. Are you with me? Let's go deeper. The prophet. 
the prophet is is ordering things as we go into the text you see that he's directing the king the king that came that praised who he had meant for the people who he he was seen like like the prophet was seen as the chariots the the strength and the wisdom of the people of israel he was seen with respect and that that is so key as we were talking last weeks the way that people see us would actually catapult us into functioning in the way that we need to if people cannot receive from us like jesus said no prophet no prophet is acknowledging his own country if people don't see us we cannot give them orders and direction god is calling us to be in a, a sort of prophet into the generation into the city into the community that's surrounding us today the gospel comes and empowers us for us to be able to give orders with love, with understanding, with empower people, to be giving directions to the people that lead them into the presence of God, into the thoughts of God for them in this season. Are you with me? We also hear the prophet not only give orders and direction, but we also see the prophet asking, asking the king, get a bow. He's, he's, delivering, he's delivering an insight through an example. The king will need to see, will need to be able to relate to the example. This is a this is a, a very difficult situation because the prophet can give the example. The church can give the example, but if the world, if the city, if a community, if the king would not relate to the example the proper way, we will not have the unity, the wisdom, the tenacity that it was needed for the season. Maybe we have to look into the how we able to translate to give orders and direction to the people around us in that loving way that jesus has done it with us is our heart ready is our mind steadfast our convictions are deep and stable enough do we have the grit do we have the passion to be able to sow into what the people need nowadays get a bow and get some arrows that's important and we also see that he puts his hands on his hands he not only, only grabbed the things that the prophet asked him, but the prophet, prophet put his hands on top of the king's hands. What do you have in your hands? Maybe you're able to cook like no one. Maybe you're that person that your whole family praised in Christmas, in Thanksgiving, in years gone by. Like the one that could cook. Maybe you can serve through that. What do you have in your hands? Maybe you can sow. Maybe you can work the soil, the land. Maybe you can bring things out of the ground that no one can. Maybe you can take care of the soil in a way that no one can. Maybe you know how to use computers and technology to serve the people. How to multiply what we got. What do you have in your hands? What is it that God has put near to you? Get a bow, get an arrow. That must be, they must have been close to Him. He must have owned them already. You own what you need for the season that you're in. Maybe you're good in construction. What are you building in this season? Several weeks ago, we talked about Noah, that Noah built and he worked by faith. By faith, you're able to take everything you do. It doesn't matter what it is. If you have it, it's significant. If God gave it to you, more importantly, it's significant. If you have it, and this is revelation, it is what he wanted you to have for the season you're in. Are we the people for the job? Yes, we are. Say to someone there in the feed, I am for the job. I am up for the job. I am the person for the job. But I cannot do it alone. You can tap it there in the feed and it will be really, really, really good. Another thing that I see is that 
in this, we can feel that we're going backwards. Maybe those feelings that when, when you start to think, what do I have in my hands? Maybe you will think, okay, but in this season, I let go of relationships because I'm trying to live for God in a, in a clean way. I'm trying to live in a relationship with God that is clean. Some of us are learning how to live in relationships that are clean, have emotions that are clean, are learning ourselves to have emotions that don't have manipulation because we came from an upbringing of manipulation, of relationships that were not clean and we were learning ourselves how to be clean, how to be, you know, honest in front of God, vulnerable in front of God and others that we know that are good for us. Maybe we're learning that. Maybe that feels backwards in this season. Maybe when we're vulnerable and we start looking at the things that we have, we might feel backwards. Maybe that has happened to you financially. You have withdrawn from doing things that you know are illegal. You have withdrawn from doing things that you know they are wrong. Maybe you have, you have noticed that because of that, your finances has, have been lacking. Your zeros have gone down. But I got to tell you the truth. Trade any day zeros for your hero. Let me say it again. Trade every day your amounts for the one that has loved you in an, in an unamountable way. The one that has treated you like royalty has given you peace. Maybe you also found yourself emotionally, emotionally backwards. Maybe you have found that you started, you know, taking decisions on, the, on your emotions and the way that you would spark in flames, the way that you would treat people in conversations, the way that you would react to frustration. And now you feel weak. Maybe now you don't feel like you go the extra mile. You don't feel that people hear you out. But God is encouraging us in this moment through this prophet that he's giving us orders. He puts his hands upon us. And it doesn't matter if it feels backwards. It was the prophet, the dying prophet, the weak prophet, the one that was putting the hands on top of the young king, the one that was in authority for the people. It doesn't matter if you feel backwards, financially, emotionally, or as we said, in relationships, or the way you perceive life. God is doing something. Get a bow and get some arrows. Bows are for distance. God gave you before the foundations of the world. The Bible said God gave you. He gave you the ability to succeed, to have success. But not only success, good success, says the Bible. So it's not only giving us the ability to have success, but good success, things that multiply. It's a sore speak of distance. The bow and the arrow was not something that you would use if you were near your enemy. It would be something that you would use when you were afar still. God is, is just putting that distance so you understand that in between you and your enemy is what God has given you to fight it. He's not only giving you the orders and the direction, the instruction, the wisdom of the prophet, but he also has given you the distance that you need from the situation. Don't shorten your distances. Don't get near the things that God has placed a distance between you and that. Don't get nearer to that. If God has placed distance between you and some relationships, keep the distance because God does everything in a good fashion. He does everything to build you up and not to take you down. His thoughts for us, like Jeremiah 29 would say, our thoughts are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher. Those thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And He's also sowing in us. He's sowed in us already. He got there with His bow and His arrow. He was able to live the example with the prophet. In what extent, we can see in a minute. But he was able to comply with it 
because God has sown into his life. God has sown into our lives for our tomorrow. God is with us. The prophet put his hands on his hands. And this is very powerful because hands have a meaning in the Bible, have a meaning for God. It's the way the ability to reach as we preach like five Sundays ago, as the man with the withered hand could not reach, could not influence. The hands is, is a weapon of influence, of reach, of touch. And that the prophet could still reach was very important for the king. The prophet could live without reaching out. His, his duty was done. He was full of days, full of the glory of God. He had lived what he needed to live. He was sick, but he was going to spend eternity with the boss and he knew it. And he was ready to serve the king because he was full of glory. Everyone that is full of glory is ready to serve anyone that comes in need. Are we a church that is ready to serve? Are we full of that glory in the daily? It doesn't matter what area in our life is having an end. We always are the ones that carry a new beginning for someone. Our hands are full of grace, are full of the power of the Holy Spirit, are full of the hope, are full of that that brings life. The prophet put his hands full of life and full of hope and full of wisdom on top of the king's hands. He didn't only tell him, do this. He transferred wealth through, through touching him, saying, hey, I am with you. I make you company. I am with you. And his hands were, were significance of, of, of legacy. Not only of security, but legacy. He was bringing guidance, we know. But he was actually pouring legacy over a young king that didn't know what to do. And he was asking for wisdom. He also was saying, hey, you are from the people of Israel. I've been a prophet to the people of God and you are the king to the people of God. He was reinforcing the king's identity. He was young. He didn't know what to do. He was in a position of vulnerability, even as a, pos a position of authority. We will be in positions of vulnerability. That's why we have to pray for the dignitaries, for the people that are running us. I know it seems, it looks, it sounds, it feels like most of our presidents or most of our MPs, our prime ministers or people that are leading our communities are not doing a great job. But are we praying? They need hands upon their hands. They might be afraid, they might be young, they might not know everything, but they need a church that can put hands of hope and glory on top of their hands in this season. We are a church, we're called to be a church, not only a congregation as hope and anchor, we have been called as God's bride to be a church that come and puts their hands with hope on top of the hands of the ones that are doing the job. We have hands that empower people. The church has the empowerment of God so we can empower others. That's how we know that we are not managing anything. We're not organizing only. We're here for the people. We're for empowering the people. We are here to influence, not only to teach, we're here to show. Not only to talk about it, but to sweat it with the community. Are you with me? The hands of God were there upon the king through the hands of the prophet. This happened in the region of Aram, as we said earlier. And Aram, um, Aram was actually the son, the son of Shem. And Shem, actually, his, his name, his name meant renown. And why renown? Because he was an ancestor, a forerunner of Christ. It is so, so funny, so curious that God is actually pouring this instruction over the king of his people. When the people of a, a region 
belong to God himself were attacking him. He's saying, I want to teach you. I have a grace. I have a grace that goes in multi-generations. It's not stopped with you. The grace of your yesterday, your grace of today will go towards your tomorrow. What you do today in my fear, your sons, your daughters, whoever comes through them would experience it as well. Shem. Shem was actually a forerunner of Christ. And his name actually means renown. And he was renowned because of that among the people of Israel. And funny enough, the capital of that, of that region of Aram was actually Damascus, as we said earlier. So we had the hands and we have the pull. The prophet said, just pull, pull and just throw the arrow. That's the arrow of victory. We have to have action in this season. This series starts with being pushed. He was pushed by situation. He was pushed by the lack. The king was pushed by the surroundings, by his lack of knowledge. He was pushed. But God is asking us to understand the pull as well. He was pulled by God and by the prophet. He was pulled in the, in the power. He was pulled in direction. God the power, the prophet direction. He was pulled in the anointing, the presence of God. What God was actually bringing over his people. And he was also pulled by the company. God doesn't leave us alone, as we said. God in this season is wanting us to understand the hands and the pull mean the grace of God. We had the legacy, the security. We also had the guidance, the identity, and we had the empowerment. That's five, the number of grace. God is making sure that we understand the hands that pushes and the hands that pull as a meaning of grace in our life. As we start closing, God is pulling what he sowed unto us. God is pulling us and he's pushing us. God is using the situations to push, even in our lack, even in our, in our need, even in our lack of understanding, what we don't see. He's using all those things to push us into the light. He's using our insecurities, our lacks, our, our rejection, the people that have walked away from our lives, what we cannot attain on ourselves, the things that we have lost, to feel that pull in our lives, to feel that His hands upon us, to feel that He is not left us, that anything that we lost in the last season, we still got enough in us to pull it into the next season. And that's not only for us. God is pulling from what He sowed into us. We are a church that has a legacy. We are a church that is not here only for, for the direction, it's here for inspiration. We're not called to direct the people only around us. We're here to inspire, to, to really bring that fresh breath of God over the life of the people so they can get an insight. We are here not to be expiratory. We're not here to actually just explain things to people. We're here to bring a legacy. We're not here to actually, for the process only, we're here to impart vision, a way of looking. Not what they have to be doing in that sense, but a way of looking at what they're doing. It's not the how only. We're a church for the why. Why are we doing this? Not how we have to do it only. That's important and it has its place, but why we're doing it. We're doing it for Jesus. And as we close, we're not here for the routines. We're here for the transformational power of Jesus. God has his hand in this season. God has his hand over this series. And today we're talking about this series, push and pull in the power of God, knowing that God wants us to, to have that arrow ready. 
the Bible says that that he asked the, the king to hit the ground. He asked the king to take an action. He threw, he, he, he pulled the bow and he shoot the arrow. And there was a declaration that was very powerful. It was a declaration that was final. But then we have to back up our lives with actions after declarations. We love the declarations, but we don't follow up with actions. We say we do, and then we divorce. We say, I love you, and then we don't live it through. We say, I will do, and then we slack, and then we don't do. But God is calling us to come from our ways, even in, in our need, in our lack, and say, hey, I'm going to commit. Your hands are upon me. I can do what you ask me to do. I can go against these enemies that have come against me. I can go against the things that have been oppressing my life in this season. I can stand up into the trial. I can stand up in the midst of the storm. I can stand in the midst of the situations that I'm living and have a victorious life because you are with me. Your hand is upon me. And it says that he took the arrows. Take the arrows. And the king took them. Verse 18 in 2 Kings 13. It says, strike the ground was the orders. And he struck it three times and stopped. But it says that the man of God got angry because the king had stopped. That's verse 19. You can find it for the sake of time. In this season, God is asking us not to stop. Whatever God has asked you, instructed you in the seasons that have gone by, don't stop. You will have full victory if you continue. God loves a persevering heart, a heart that actually is for His people, that is not only for directing and, 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 and showing and teaching that sense. He's there in us to influence for a new generation. He's there to bring it into a new level. It says that this king passed. Later on in the story, he passed. And later on, other kings defeated only three times these same enemies. The same three times that he hit the ground. The same thing that actually provoked the anger of the man of God in the text. It was only because he could see that if you persevere, the character of God, the passion, the grit of God in us, that deep sense of conviction in us leads us to finish what we started. If you have started walking with God and you have felt a bit weak, Surround yourself with people that are walking stronger. Surround yourself in this season with people that can pull you, not only push you. Maybe the situations around you are pushing you, but God is pulling you. He's pulling from what He had already stored in you. This is a new season. You are being pulled by God. You're going to reach. You're going to get there. But how are you going to get there? It depends on your perseverance in the daily. In the daily. God is giving you the strength. His hands are upon you. So for the new believers, if you never made a decision for Christ and you, and you feel that I, need that I need that strength for the distance, I need, I need that power, I need that stable conviction, I need that passion, I need that grit, I need that strength, I need, I need that anointing to that favor, that, 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 that power to really believe that the next season is bringing something new. I need the hands of God upon my life. You can pray with me if you have not made that decision. And you can pray with me like this. Dear Jesus, please forgive me for the things I have done wrong. But today I come to you. Father, 
not only for your forgiveness, Father, that I thank you for right now, but also I want your, your leadership. I want you to be my Savior, my only Lord and Savior. Father, we pray in your name, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you pray that prayer, if you have taken that decision, the Lord himself is not only putting his hands upon you, but he will surround you. You will feel the push, but you will also feel the pull from God inside of you. If you have been walking with God and you have pushed and pulled and you have felt the push and you have done the pulling as well, and you have felt that this season has taken it out of you, God comes to restore, to restore that strength up to you. Let's not be people that stop at three hits on the ground. We are a generation that sees success through the eyes of grit and passion and that deep sense of conviction. We are that church that stands up into the situation. It doesn't matter if we don't have all the knowledge or the experience. God is giving us the power to live for what he has made us to live. We are the church for the job. We are the church that has been called for this moment. We have not place to doubt. We need instruction. We need direction. And that's why he's saying today, I'm putting my hands upon you. I'm putting my hands, my power. I'm putting my conviction. I'm putting my belief of you. I'm putting the power, the direction that you need upon your life. This is the word of the Lord for you, my dear church, congregation, and people around the world that see us from different congregations. We are the church. God is putting his power and his direction. He's putting his anointing and he's accompanying us along the way. Don't you fear? Don't you fear the enemies that have surrounded you? Don't you fear the confederation of cities that have come against you? Because your God, your God has history with them as well. And when this is said and done, you will see how all of this will spell grace in your life. And through that, you will be able to give it to many more. May God bless you and richly encourage you this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Also, before we go, remember, as always, Hope Kids is coming in a minute. The kids should be ready. Just make that laptop, that iPad, that tablet, whatever, the phone, whatever you have, make it ready, charge it up, be ready. Do some lunch or do some dinner for them. Be ready because the Word of God is coming for them in a little bit. We also have the Anchor of the Week. And it has been amazing. We have had some guests that have been amazing. We have been talking some deep topics, actually, that lead us into deeper waters. And I know that you will be blessed through them. The, team, the people have been working so hard. And I'm so proud of all of them. They have been serving God with everything. And you will be blessed. Not only you, whoever you share with will be blessed. Blessed. Share, share this message. Share hope, kids. For maybe your nephew, your cousin. You never know. Your, your neighbor. You never know. You never know what God has in store for them until you give it to them and they can unpack it. They can discover it in his hands and also the anchor of the week. May God bless you. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.